Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here today may be pleasing to you. It is in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, friends, if you weren't here last week, or if you were and you need a little bit of a refresher, we have kicked off a series on spiritual gifts, or charismata, as it says in the Greek, and like you'll see on your bulletin. So, Pastor Brandon reminded us that charismata comes from the Greek charis, And all Christians have charisma. So did you take the challenge this week to look yourself in the mirror and say, I have charisma. Who did it? Anyone? There's still time. There's still time. Just wait. Okay, well, this charisma that we have, if you remember, isn't referring to some special charm like the world talks about it. But... It is rather a gift of grace from God. It is something way better than just worldly charm, which can be deceptive anyways. Charisma is a gift from God. It is given to us specifically as individuals for specific purposes. And this purpose isn't to promote ourselves like the world tells us, but the purpose of charisma is to build up the community of Jesus that we as the church might woo the world back to the God who is love. Do you remember that definition? To build up the community of Jesus, that we might woo the world back to the God who is love. And we were reminded last week that God gives these charismata to all of us. God is wildly generous generous and pours out an abundance of gifts. Therefore, we all have gifts, no matter who you are. So I want to hear us say it together. I have charisma. Okay, again. I have charisma. I told you there was still time. Good. Okay, so now that we've established that, that God gives us charisma, we all have charisma, we now need to ask, so what? What does it matter that we have this Why does it matter that we're doing this series? Why does it matter that I take this assessment or I ask other people about the gifts they see in my life? Why does this all matter? I'm glad you asked because that's a little bit of what we're going to unpack today. Specifically, we're going to look at three questions. Why is it important for me to know and use my spiritual gifts? How does God give gifts? And finally, what are some of the gifts? These are three questions that are raised in our scripture for this morning, which is Romans 12, 1 to 8. But before we read our text, I want to give two disclaimers. So I'm going to be following this morning the NIV rather than the NRSV, which is the translation you have in your pew Bibles um, under your seats. So if you want to follow along, I'm going to be posting them on the PowerPoint Um, Just to give you a heads up, in case you're one who follows along in your pew Bible, it's going to sound a little bit different. I did this just because the NIV is a little bit easier to understand with some of the Greek that's being translated here. Second, um, we're going to read this text in three sections so that we can look at these three questions individually. Does that sound good? Okay. All right. Now it is time to read uh, the word of the Lord. We'll start with verses 1 to 2 and consider this first question. 
So hear now the word of the Lord from Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so these first two verses, they raise and they address our first question of why. Why is it important to know and use our spiritual gifts? Well, the answer lies in the very first word, therefore, therefore. You see, for the whole 11 chapters leading up to this in Romans, the Apostle Paul has been laying out this really thick theological explanation of the Bible. If you want some really meaty reading, read those chapters, Romans 1 through 11. They're some of the densest parts of the Bible that we have. And they're really dense because Paul is trying to explain an unbelievable story, the story of God's redemption of the whole world. And this story is incredible news. It is incredible news of God's abundant mercy. And after all of this, Paul says, therefore, because of all of this, because God has done all of this for you, therefore, therefore offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice, Paul doesn't say, therefore, give a little head nod, say you believe, and go on with life as you usually do it. Not, therefore, get up and go to church once a week, and that's it. No, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The Greek used here for bodies is soma, and the essence of this word is everything. Everything you are, everything you have, everything you do, offer it to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, I have to say there's something unfortunate about the way we use the word worship often, and I am really guilty of it. I'll be the first to say it. And that is that we can tend to confine the word worship to just what we do here on Sunday mornings, just singing songs with our vocal cords to God. But the truth is, for Christians, all of life is meant to be worship. When you go to work, when you eat dinner with your family, when you go to the grocery store, all of this should be worship. That is, in all that we do, we should be seeking to glorify God, to commune with God, to participate in God's mission of redemption. All of life is worship. Now, there is something very special about what we do here on Sunday mornings. It is the center of the Christian worship life. It is here that we learn how to live out the other six days of our week. So I'm not trying to diminish our worship here. But I am, with the Apostle Paul, trying to uplift the other six days to see that those are also 
times of worship. If you turn in your sermon notes in the middle part of your bulletin, you'll see some different terms that we've defined. One of those is logikos latreia. So this is the Greek phrase that is translated true and proper worship. That's one reason I chose the NIV over the NRSV. The NRSV translates it as spiritual worship, which it can translate that way. But I think in our culture we get confused with this word spiritual. We think it only has to do with with our minds and doesn't have anything to do with our bodies. But logikos latreia, do you hear a word that sounds familiar? Logikos kind of sounds like logical, right? And it is. That's where we get our English word logical. So the meaning of this word is, this is our logical worship. So when we understand that all that God has done for us, all that God continues to do for us, as the Apostle Paul has laid out, your only logical response is, is to offer your entire body. To offer your entire life as a living sacrifice, not just a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. This is the only logical response to God, our whole lives. Now, one way we worship with our whole bodies, our whole lives, is by the use of our spiritual gifts. Just like we say every week before we collect our tithes and offerings, we offer back to God what God has so generously given to us. The gifts that we have, the spiritual gifts, are gifts that are meant to be offered back. Because these gifts, remember, aren't for us. They are intended for the service of others for God's purposes of redeeming the world. This, my friends, is God's will, as our scripture says. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is that we not just use our gifts for ourselves, but for God. My friends, this is not a damper on our lives. It's not a killjoy command because the truth is our greatest joy and satisfaction come from living for God. This is what we were made to do, to be within God's will, which is to worship God with our whole lives. You will find incredible joy and satisfaction here and nowhere else within the will of God. So that's why it's important. That's why it's important to know and to use our spiritual gifts, because these gifts are part of how God has wired us to worship him with our whole bodies, with our whole lives. That's part of the why. Does that make sense? Full-bodied worship. So now that we've covered some of the why, that's just, that's just part, it's, it's thick, but that's some of the why, we're going to move on now to how. How does God give gifts? So we'll move now to verses 3 to 5. Hear the word of the Lord. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, 
and each member belongs to all the others. This is the word of the Lord. So these verses raise and answer the question, how? How does God give gifts? Well, the answer is, God disperses them throughout the body of Christ, the church. That is, God portions out different gifts to different people in different measures. Just kind of like if you're baking, you pour a little flour here, a little sugar here, you know, a little spice. I'm not a baker, but many of you do it really well, and so if you're a baker, think of that. He measures out different gifts that alone can be really disgusting. You don't want to eat flour just by itself. But together, you put them with all the other things, and it makes something really tasty, right? Well, that's how God gives gifts. He portions out a little bit to each of us and then throws us all together and mixes us up. And that's how we have the gift of the body. So the reality of this is God gives us all gifts, but none of us has all the gifts on our own. So we said earlier, I have charisma, but not any of us has all the charismata. We need each other. So right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. (laughs) Good. That was good. We should do that more often. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yes. We, in the body of Christ, we need each other. God has designed the church like this on purpose, to need each other, to learn to rely on one another, to learn to work together. This is how God made it. So it's really interesting to note that there are three main passages in Scripture that deal with spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4 from last week, Romans 12 this week, and 1 Corinthians 12, which we'll hit in a couple weeks. And all of these passages, they talk about the body of Christ. All of them, they never have spiritual gifts apart from the body of Christ. They always go hand in hand. This is one of the many reasons that Heartland's leadership together discerned that we wanted to do this series on spiritual gifts. Because we wanted to emphasize that every single member is crucially important. Every single member has worth and value. Every single member has God-given gifts to offer. Without any one of you, our cookies are going to taste really disgusting. We need all the different ingredients. And the metaphor Paul likes to use, and he uses it over and over, especially in 1 Corinthians 12, is the physical body. And you all get this. For a body to work You really want every part functioning, right? So those of you who have gone through knee replacements know that when your knee stops working, it's really hard to do other things. Millie, right? It's hard. It it puts a damper on all the other things you want to do. So this is how it is in the church. God gives all of us parts to play, but when some parts stop working, it makes everything a lot harder to do. Sometimes other parts of the body try to overcompensate and they just get exhausted and the body gets lopsided and things just get really kind of wacky. 
So I'll give a practical example of how we need all the gifts given to different members of the church. I'm also going to say this so that any of you who take your assessments are not embarrassed to turn in your results because we do not all have all of the gifts. Brandon and I both on two of the gifts got zero, like literally zero. So I'm going to tell you about one of those. One of the areas we both got zero is skilled crafts, like creating, building, maintaining things. Um, We are not good at any of that. So if it were up to us to maintain this building, you all would be in a lot of trouble. It's a wonder that our house is still standing. And um, the reason it is is because we've asked like four or five of you who are good at this to come over and help us, and you have, so thank you. We're still alive. But so if, if it were up to us, um, we wouldn't really have a great place to worship. Um, Brandon and I don't have a lot of interest or training or experience in skilled crafts, but a lot of you do. And so we need your gifts here in the church. In the same, in the same way, if Brandon and I were to try to spend all of our time learning how to replace water faucets and do all this stuff, we wouldn't have any time or energy left to do the studying to do the sermon prep, sermon prep, the pastoral counseling, in which we are trained and do have experience um, that we can offer as gifts to you all. And then you all would be up here preaching. And I know that that makes some of you want to crawl in a hole, right? <laughs> so see, we all have gifts to offer. Some are really up front. Um, some parts of our gifts, like The preaching, you can see that just like you can see hands moving, but other parts of gifts are are unseen. The work of the lungs, the heart, the stomach. But they're no less valuable, are they? Have any of you ever had a lung collapse or had a heart attack? The body doesn't work without these things, but just because they're behind here and you can't see them doesn't mean they're any less valuable. They are very, very valuable. And I want to take a minute to say there are a lot of you who offer your gifts behind the scenes who are the heart and lungs and stomach of this church. So thank you for your gifts. A lot of other people don't see it, but we sometimes get sneak peeks. And so thank you for that work. So now before we move on to the next point, considering um, the what, I have to make um, a caveat about using our gifts. And that is, um, there are some gifts that we are all called to live into, no matter whether you score high on it on the assessment or not. So one example is giving. So God calls all of us to give of our time and talent and treasure. So if I score low on giving, that doesn't mean I just get to every week pass the, the offering plate by or, or never serve others. Um, The same is true with gifts like evangelism. We all need to be ready to share our faith with others. Or intercession, you don't just get a buy on praying. (laughs) Or, Or mercy, we're all called to care for those in need. We're all called to some of these things that are just basics of the Christian life. What's different for people who are strongly gifted in these areas is that the Spirit has endowed them with particular ability and ease in doing these things. Um, they just, it comes really naturally, and the Spirit just helps them do it just really well. And so they can be for us leaders and teachers on how to be more generous, how to be more prayerful, how to be 
more merciful. They can be our leaders. Another caveat is that I personally believe is that as our physical abilities and life situations change, the Holy Spirit sometimes gives us different gifts. So maybe some of you, for example, for many years offered the gift of skilled crafts, the building and things, but now your body's wearing out and you can't climb ladders anymore and do those things. But in its place, maybe over the years, God has given you special wisdom or empathy for others who are going through struggles because you have gone through more struggles over the years. Therefore, maybe the Spirit has given you gifts in the areas of encouragement, showing mercy. Maybe you can't climb that ladder, but maybe you can write a note or make a phone call, which is a huge gift. Maybe you simply need to share the stories of God's faithfulness in your life to younger generations that really really need to hear those stories. Everyone has something to offer. Well, as Pastor Brandon said last week, God knows what season of life you're in. God doesn't ask more than what you can give, but God does give everyone something to offer. So this week, your Living the Word challenge is to consider one way that God might be calling you to use your gifts for God's mission. Not too hard, right? Just one way to consider your gifts and see how God might be leading you to use that in service of upbuilding the church for the mission of God. You all think you can do that? One way. Thank you. (laughs) One way. Good. Okay, so now we've looked at the, the why. Why? Because God has done so much for us. We offer back to God everything. We've looked at the what. God gives spirit. Or we looked at the how, God gives gifts within the body of Christ. So now we're going to move on to the what. What are some of the specific gifts listed in Romans? We move now to verses 6 to 8. Hear the word of the Lord. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Now I want to ask you to pull out your bulletins. If you have those, you'll see an insert there that gives definitions Of 20 of the spiritual gifts, these are the 20 that appear on that online assessment. So today I'm not going to spend a lot of time hashing out each of these seven, because you'll see some definitions there and in your bulletin. But I do encourage you to look those over, and especially as you take your assessment, to read about what your gifts are, and to keep coming back to learn more, to attend Tim's class to learn more about what your gifts are. This morning, however, I do want to say a few things about a couple of them that I think in our current cultural context can be a little bit confusing. So I want to clarify just a couple things. So first is prophecy. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. So today, unfortunately, we often associate this word prophecy with only predicting future events, with um, telling the future 
But New Testament prophecy is um, actually only rarely used for the announcing of future events, like the revelation to John, as is recorded in the book of Revelation. Most often, this word prophecy in the New Testament centers around preaching about the revelation of Jesus Christ, about what Jesus Christ has done for us. So in today's context, prophecy is most similar to preaching, speaking the word of the Lord to the church. So prophecy or preaching is it's somewhat similar, but a bit different from teaching, which is communicating an understanding of the Bible and faith to others. Just a note on these two, preaching and teaching. Pastor Brandon and I really feel um, we want to encourage you to be discerning. Um, be discerning in what you listen to, what you watch on TV, what you read. Because just because someone's a talented communicator in speaking or writing doesn't mean that what they're saying always has a really strong foundation. Just like you parents or teachers, you tell your students, right, not everything you read on the internet is true. <laughs> we want to encourage you also to be discerning with what you find. Um, there's kind of a, a dangerous idea floating around um, in our current context that just anyone can pick up the Bible and you can just Read it, and whatever you think it means, that's what it means. But with that, you can get some pretty wacky interpretations. Have you heard some pretty wacky interpretations? Yes. And sometimes it can be really harmful, too. And we have seen brothers and sisters get really hurt by some harmful interpretations. So a quick example. Did you know that it was preaching from the Bible that was largely used to uphold slavery in our own country and segregation in our own country? If some people use the Bible to uphold their own thoughts about this, their own economic privilege and racism. So it can be very dangerous. So be discerning. They, preaching and teaching are gifts of the Spirit, but they require development and accountability. We are always held accountable to what we preach and teach to you. We had to go through a lot of schooling and exams. It was really crueling, and we're still having to do those things to make sure that what we're saying to you holds weight with what the church has said for 2,000 years. Now, why it gets tricky is because, have you all heard of these, like, online ordinations? People can just go online and, like, in three hours get a certificate that says they're ordained and they are a minister or a reverend, and it's really frustrating. <laughs> so this, I met a friend from high school said, oh, I'm ordained too. And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> I, yeah, I did the online test. And I was like, no, no, no. So <laughs> um, a lot of that is out there. So there are some people who might even carry a title of reverend or minister, and they have no credentials. So just like we wouldn't send you to a doctor who had never been to medical school and who had no experience with surgery, um, the same way we wouldn't want to send you to, to someone who just um, thinks they have an idea and they just want to share it with you, just like someone who's interested in the, the human body and scalpels, so they're going to tear you open and do heart surgery. We don't, we don't want that. Um, we're not trying to be critical. We just we love you all very, very much, and we just don't want you to get hurt by, um, by some teachings that can be really off the wall. So... If you ever have questions about anything, let us know. Usually we'll just go to the people who are way smarter and more experienced than us and ask them, because that's what we do to prepare for sermons anyway. So um, so just please let, 
call us, whatever, if you have a question about a teaching that you hear. I'm going to make two more quick notes about teaching, um, because we do have a lot of teachers here. So first is that we need teachers who are able to communicate with different ages and different mental abilities. Some of you are really gifted at communicating with like three and four-year-olds. Brandon and I are not. We keep your words to under four syllables, like, ah. (laughs) Um, Some of you are really gifted at that, so don't downplay that gift. It is a huge gift to be able to communicate with little children or older folks. Recognize that in yourself. The second point is that any of you who have kids in the home, you are teachers. Whether you like it or not, you have the teaching call because the number one influencer of a person's faith is their parents or their caretakers. So they are watching you, what you do, what you say to learn about the Christian faith. So we're praying for you as we pray for ourselves in this journey and know that you have a body of Christ who have done this before and who are there to support you, right? Right. Okay. So those are my two points on on preaching and teaching. And so now I'm just going to close with Paul's general exhortation, which is, if you have a gift, use it. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouragement, give encouragement. If you have a gift, use it. So, So consider Christmas. When you get a present, do you just leave your present there all wrapped up, kind of wondering what it is? Just let it sit there. No, you tear that sucker open, and then you put it to use, right? Well, friends, it's Christmas time. God has poured out gifts. God is way better than Santa Claus. We have awesome gifts. Let's not just let it sit on the shelf unwrapped. Let's take those assessments. Let's talk to people about what our gifts are to discover it, and then use our gifts in service of the church for the mission of God's redeeming of the whole world. Gifts aren't a burden. They are a delight. They are free presence. So full-bodied worship, my friends. This is a present. To be able to use all that we are, all that we have, within the full body of Christ for the glory of God in our world. Let's open these presents up and put them to use. Let us pray. God, we thank you for how generous you are in pouring out your gifts on us. We thank you that you enable us to use not just our minds or our lips, but our whole bodies to worship you. We praise you that we don't just do this alone, but we do it with others in community. We pray that you would give us delight as we explore our gifts, as we put them to use, that they would further your mission of redemption in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.